Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. to the two-minute round, your hooks and jacks look at female boxing. This is our second show of 2021. My name is Felipe Leon. As, like always, from the Bay Area of San Francisco, up Northern California, is Ms. Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really good. Show number 102, to be exact. 102, the second one of 2021, but show number 102 of the two-minute round and as always, Mr. David Avila is here with us. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good, Felipe. How are you doing, Lupi? Hi, good, David. How are you doing? Good, good. Well, folks, we have a full show today. We have a very special guest who's going to be calling in in about 15 minutes, and that's none other than undefeated super featherweight Mia Killer B. Ellis from Baltimore, Maryland. She has a very interesting story. She's going to be seeing action at the end of the month on January 30th on the Christy Martin fight card being held in Florida. And she's going to tell us all about that. She's going to tell us about her boxing experience. She's going to tell us about how she's dealing with COVID-19. And obviously, um, one of the stories from Mia Ellis is that her father is the trainer. And another one that trains also alongside her is none other than WBA lightweight champion Gervonta Tank Davis. So she could talk about talk to us about that as well. As you guys know, in our last show, we didn't have a calendar. Uh, there wasn't no major fights uh, program for the last or for the first two weeks or the middle weeks of, uh, of January of 2021. So right now we don't have a fight review because we have no results to to uh, report. So we're going to jump right into the fight chatter. And one of the biggest stories that has happened, well, what I would say the biggest story of 2021 so far as far as female boxing is the announcement by Salida Promotions of the all-female pay-per-view card program on Fight TV, the application uh, Fight TV for Friday, March 5th, from Flint, Michigan. On the main event, it's going to be the fight that was scheduled last year in May between, you know, the, un- the, the, uh, sorry, the unified W uh, super welterweight champion Clarissa Shields against Canadian Mary Eve DeCary scheduled for 10 rounds and 154 pounds. DeCary holds the IBF belt. At 154, Shields holds the WBC and WBO belts at 154. And the WBA is going to be offering the super title with Hannah Gabros of Costa Rica being the regular champion and Raquel Miller as the interim champion. Also seeing action that night is going to be heavyweight Daniel Perkins light heavyweight Nadia McNuzzi, and the aforementioned interim WBA super welterweight champion Raquel Miller. David, before we move on to Lupi's thoughts about the card and anything else uh, about this event, 
Do you know if it's going to be behind closed doors uh, in Flint, Michigan, or is Michigan a little bit more open up where they're going to have a, a percentage of, of an audience there? Well, I think it all depends right now on uh, the new president. I think he's uh, ushering out new edicts uh, because of the spread of the virus. And, uh, you know, it's hard to tell. It's not going to be state by state anymore. I think they're going to do a federal jurisdiction. And um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Now, it is rumored, I don't know if it's official, and you could quote, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it's rumored that the price point for the pay-per-view is going to be around $30, correct? Correct. Uh, that's what I heard. I can't substantiate it. Is that what you heard, Lupi? Yeah, that's on Fight TV. It'll be $30. But what's $30. the difference between the pay-per-view $80? Like, I don't, I didn't really get that. They said $80 pay-per-view, but you can get it on Fight TV for 30 Wow. Mm. So I would imagine that yeah. if you're, if you're going to get it through your cable provider, so you could watch it on your TV, you would pay $80, which I believe is a, is a bad decision if that's the case. And no, if you're going to no, watch it, go ahead, Lupi. Oh, I've used Fight TV um, to watch some wrestling, and I I liked it. And it saved it for you so you can go back and watch it. It wasn't bad, but I think David said you had a, a problem with it. Yeah, I did have a uh, – I couldn't get on. It kicked, it kicked me off. Yeah, now, but it is 30 bucks. Okay, so so if you could connect – if you could get it through the Fight TV, through the OTP, they call it an over-the-top uh, application – and if you could connect it to your TV, if you're watching on TV, I mean, that's probably what I'm going to end up doing. I mean, I'll watch, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll order it on my computer, and then I just can connect my computer to my TV, and I can watch it there. David, besides Perk, Daniel Perkins, the heavyweight, the light heavyweight, Nadia McNuzzi, who is, who is uh, trained by Floyd Mayweather Sr., and Raquel Miller, the interim WBA Super Welterweight Champion, have you heard through the grapevine perhaps any other uh, fighters that might be included on the card? Uh, yes, I've heard there's going to be eight uh, bouts, but uh, you know I'm sure that it all depends on who, who uh, gets approved uh, or passes the COVID test. Uh, but I've heard there's there's going to be eight different bouts. Uh, two or three are are most of them are young, but they're very good. I think there was uh, one uh, another champion that has not been mentioned. I forget the name. Uh, I spoke briefly to Mark Taffet, who's the co-manager for Clarissa Shields, and he did mention I, I had a hard time hearing some of the conversations, so I, I don't want to say the wrong name. Lupi, what do you think about the card? It's the first card being a headline by a female bout since 2001. You know, what are your thoughts about this historic event in the last 20 years on March 5th and, and about the fights? that are being mentioned, at least the, the, some of the participants like Daniel Perkins, Nadia McNuzzi, and Raquel Miller, mm-hmm. obviously, as well as uh, Clarissa Shields and Mary DeCary. Yeah, I, you know, all those are great. I'm really glad Danielle Perkins is on as a heavyweight, and um, I, I saw something, I, I think one of the two fights that she had, she's trying to get on the card again, so that might be a match because there's nobody out there. But I'm really happy about, I mean, it's great to have the, the young boxers um, that are less known, David, don't you think? I mean, it just, it's a great 
I mean, they score to be on this card. But I'm I'm really excited and I'm really happy. It's just when I heard about this, I woke up and it just made me happy, like happy for boxing. You know, it's great to come out of the pandemic and we're still kind of low from it. I just got really excited, you know. And it's in, it's fun. This here we are with um, and it, somebody had to do it and it was Felita. But we watched through the pandemic. You know, there's a lot of chatter of who, people wanted to do this card. Somebody wanted to get this female card done, and we saw different pockets, and it was just watching to see who was actually going to do it. And here we are, Salita Promotions, and good for him. I mean, he's got Salita. It's going to be great. I'm excited, really excited. That's true, David, because uh, we had spoken about it here on the show before that, you know, Lou DiBella was trying to do an all-female fight card televised, Mm -hmm. and then he had some issues with Showtime, which was his main – Avenue for televised fights. He had some problems there with them. And then also Eddie Hearn had spoken about maybe doing something like this. And like Lupi says, the one that was able to pull the trigger was Salido Promotions. Now, David, now we know that Raquel Miller is signed to Lou DiBella. How much of an involvement does Lou DiBella have on the card as far as you know that he's able to put a fighter like Raquel Miller on the card when it's a Salido Promotions um, uh, event? I think he's he's uh, co-promoting the event too. I'm not absolutely sure, but I think he is uh, based on the fact that Mark Abrams is doing the PR work, and he works with both of them. Uh, and also, I know that Clarissa Shields had a lot to do with uh, some of the female bouts because she she's a big advocate for uh, women's mm-hmm. boxing, not just for herself, but she's yeah. a big advocate for pushing other females and the young fighters. And uh, I heard that she's responsible for about two or three of the bouts. Wow. Nice. Now, I think, I think another name that was mentioned, now that, I, now that we're talking about it, was the IBF uh, light welterweight champion, Mary McGee. So I think, I that think she's, so. she's another one that, that, that is going to be uh, included in it. Um, she now, was, like we mentioned, uh, excuse me. Go ahead. Excuse me, but she was one of the names that I thought Mark mentioned. And, but I wasn't sure. But now that you say it, I, I think that was who uh, uh, Mr. Tappet uh, mentioned uh, being on the car, Mary McGee. Well, what we're going to try to do, we have about maybe two or three shows. We have our two-minute round, Hooks and Jabs, Look at Female Boxing, every other Thursday here on blocktalkradio.com, forward slash two-minute round. So what we're going to try to do from here on out, our next show is scheduled for February 4th. This show is on, February, on March 5th. So we probably have about two at least two, if not maybe three shows. Maybe we do a special show the Thursday before, even if we're not scheduled to have one, um, so that we can get ready for it. Because this is historic, and we're yeah. going to try to have here on out um, some of the participants uh, of the fight card. Maybe maybe uh, the great David Avila can pull some strings and maybe have Mr. Mark Taffet on the show again. We've had him before, which was one of my favorite interviews here on the show. Yeah. And maybe we could have yeah. Mr. Mark Taffet on February 4th to hype up the show I think that as female boxing fans, we have to support in any which way we can this fight card because one of the biggest yeah. critiques of female boxing is that it doesn't sell and that there isn't enough interest, general boxing fan interest, whether male or female, to support having female boxing on major networks or applications like The Zone and Showtime and Fox and ESPN, so on and so forth. So if this fight card does a respectable number, you know, 100,000 buys or something to that, 
to somewhere close to that, then it starts to show that there is a a a, a market for it, and that people are interested in female boxing, and they're willing to pay an amount to see female boxing. So I think that it's our responsibility as you know female boxing fans and, and being in the industry somewhat and been supporting female boxing for so long. I mean, at least two minutes around for 102 episodes, but I mean, that doesn't really say, that's only a fraction of how long Mr. David Avila and Lupe Gutierrez, and even if I need, if I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, but even myself, it's only a fraction mm-hmm. of what we, we've done for female boxing or we try to do mm-hmm. or we try to support. So I think that this is just a, a, an extension of that. Now we need to support this card so that we could, we these women and all women and all female boxers can have the opportunity to be featured in this way. Now, one thing that we did speak uh, privately in, in, in our chat that we have uh, between us three is that if Clarissa Shields and Marie DeCary is a strong enough fight in female boxing for it to reach a respectable number. Now, for instance, I mean, this is just an example. Obviously, it can't happen because they're, they're signed to a different um, application. But if, if like, the rematch between Jessica McCaskill and Cecilia Breakhouse were, were to be done on pay-per-view where it would be measured in the way that this fight card is going to be measured, I think that is a much stronger fight um, to put up some numbers. Uh, Katie Taylor against Amanda Serrano – you know, that's a much stronger fight to put mm-hmm. up some numbers. So, David, in your eyes, do you think Carissa Shields against Mary DeCary is a strong enough bout as the main event to be the flat, to be the, the, the maiden voyage of female pay-per-view in the last 20 years? The last one was 2001. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, Clarissa Shields is unique in that she is well-known to American mm-hmm. uh, uh, viewers, and uh, even though very few people know uh, Mary uh, Eve uh, Dikari, she's a very very good fighter, and and but they don't they don't know her as well. But Clarissa, she has a strong name, and mm-hmm. they really want to see her, and she also has a very strong uh, uh, association with men boxers. A lot of men boxers mm-hmm. like her. Uh, yeah. If she can bring some of those, some of their fans over, then I think she can hold her own. I, I, yeah, I, I think, that's, that's, go ahead, Lupi. Go ahead and give us your thoughts. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, she reaches a lot of people, and, but I also think it's part of the whole group thing because it's going to be more powerful in numbers. So if you know Clarissa has a her big following, Marie. Evdicare has hers, you know, you have um, Danielle Chambers who has hers, but she has a huge amateur following because, uh, you know, because we're background, you have Raquel who has hers. I think if you put this all together, if they marketed this the right way, I am talking, they had a killer commercial, a beautiful commercial, like a kick-ass commercial, and if they had the right posters and they just kept doing this, it could sell. I mean, people are interested, and I guarantee the people who aren't interested or don't think they are or don't want to give it a chance, they will be interested. They have to market it the right way. Yes, I agree. And, we can, and we're going to continue the conversation regarding this card after our interview because now on the line with us, and I want to patch her in any second now, is none other than from Baltimore, Maryland, the undefeated 
super featherweight, Miss Mia Killer B. Ellis. Let me patch her in because Miss Mia, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Thank you, thank you. Thank you for being here with us on the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 102, and our special guest is Mia Ellis from Baltimore, Maryland. And as it is tradition here on our show, I'm going to pass the baton to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Hi, Mia. Thank you very much for joining our show. Um, I know it is very late over there in Baltimore. Yeah. It's a 10.46, kind of late. What time do you normally go to sleep? Uh, I go to sleep around 11.30. Oh, okay. So it's not too late for you. Not too late. Yeah, it's not too late. Oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. So so tell me, what's uh, your professional career been like so far? I know you've only had one fight, but have there been any surprises for you? Yeah, so far it's been up and down. Well, first because, um, you know, of course I had a good first pro debut that went good. And then right after that we had, you know, the pandemic hit. So that kind of slowed everything down. I didn't have to fight the whole 2020. But I'm back at it in 2021. And, and what weight are you going to be fighting at? I saw you started off as super featherweight. Are you going to stay there or are you going to move up? No, uh, I'm fighting 130. Oh, okay. So 130 is your your correct weight. And, and uh, I know that you you spar. Well, the last time I, I I spoke to to some of your people, they were saying that you were the only female in your gym. Is that still the case? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. It's, so who do you spar with? I mean, you don't spar with Tank Davis, do you? I uh I actually I I work with him here and there. You know he's not going he's not going to hurt me or nothing. But you know I work with him um just to make me better. We do have we got younger girls. They're still amateurs. I move around the ring with them here and there. But mostly I I spar the uh the boys we have. You know they they strong. So I spar I spar with the boys. Um they go work for me. And, and now that you've been a, a professional for a year. What do you right. when you look at women's boxing? What do you see? Are is there things that you want to do that, or or fighters that you want to fight that in particular? Right now, I've, um, I feel as though women's boxing is is uh, getting better. You know, as far as them not treating us different from the male, they're starting to treat us equal. Um, female boxers like Clarissa Shields. Um, I would like to uh, fight Katie Taylor in the future. That's one of my dream fights. Oh, that's a good one. That's a real good one. So, so how did you get into boxing? It, was it because your father, or, or how did you? Yeah. Um. Well, my father, he's a uh, he's a boxing coach. So, since I was a baby, he just kept me around. A lot of people think he forced it, but I he actually didn't. With me being with him, going to the gym with him every day, it just stuck with me. And I used to watch the, uh, you know, the fights with him. And I picked up what I saw in the fights. I picked it up naturally, and I just stuck with it. Who was your favorite fighter when you were young? When I was younger, I would say, uh, from watching those tapes, it would be like old tapes, uh, like Tommy mm-hmm. Hearns and Holyfield, people like that. Wow. Oh, so you saw the, the classics. 
Yeah, he had a whole bunch of classics. <laughs> and and you're lefty or? No, I'm orthodox, right-handed. Oh, okay, okay. For some reason, I, I pictured you as a softball, but but <laughs> but I do know that you're pretty you're pretty tall for one thirty. Yeah, I am. I'm five nine, five ten. So, did you play other sports when you were uh, in school? Nope i i I never played any other sport. I always did boxing. Wow, so you're a purist. Yeah. So, did, how much of an amateur career did you have? I had uh, I want to say twenty three fights. It was it was I had a good amateur career. You know, some experience, not as much as other people because because of my IQ with me being around the sport for so long I didn't really need to have over you know a hundred fights so mm-hmm. I'm I was pretty good with that. What would you what would you say is your strong point? Is it your technique, your power, your speed or what would you say makes you who you are? Say my uh my power and IQ. I have like I said, with me being around the sport for so long, mm-hmm. I'm I have a better IQ than most females. I know I know a, you know just a few more points because I've been around the sport for so long, basically my whole life. When when you see other female fighters, who do you when you look at them, who would you point and say that's a really good technical fighter? Female fighters, you say. Yes. Um, I like uh, Michaela Michaela Mayers and uh, Clarissa Shields for right now. Oh, and I like um, Alicia Baumgartner. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like. So, Mia, I'm going to pass you on to Lupi, and thank you very much. I appreciate the time. No problem. Lupi. Wait, I had to unmute. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, Mia. How you doing? Good, thanks. It's good talking with you. Congratulations on getting on Christy Martin's card. Thank you. Thank you. You know, um, so you want to know one knockout. Tell us about that TKO, and that was on your pro debut over Unica Best, and she was also yeah. in her pro debut, right? Yes. Um, that feeling. It was like a. Uh, it was like a dream come true, you know, it was just a day I always look forward to the first professional fight and it was a, a good opportunity because a lot a lot of females, you know, had that opportunity to fight on such a big card, you know, that was the Devontae Davis versus Gamboa undercard. So that was a blessing just to have a chance. My first professional fight on a, a big card like that. Yeah. So but tell us about the um the the knockout. What what round was that? It was the first round, uh, 52 seconds. Oh, was it? Oh, wow. That was yeah. fast. And what was your reaction? Yeah, it was. Like, what was your... To be honest, I was amazed. I, I really wasn't <laughs> expecting... <laughs> I really wasn't expecting the fight to go that smooth and fast. But um, it was just... The, the feeling is... You can't even explain it. It's the best feeling. So you had a few changes of opponents ahead of that debut. So yes. including yes. Myasia, who you're going to meet up with at the end of the month, right? Yes, yes. 
So do those, uh, it was, it was, those type of changes mess with your head, or are you yeah, fight anybody because, anytime? It it does because um you don't know when when you know, when your opponent is changing like that you don't know which is stepping in the ring again. You know it's not like you can't you can get your mind set on a certain style you, you train for a certain style because the opponent is changing. So it did kind of mess with my mind because. I, basically, I didn't know what I was up against, but I, you know, put my foot down and just did what I had to do. You sure did in 52 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched, I watched your mini doc today, the Mia Killer, right. Killer Bean, you know, and your dad yeah. said, I don't think girls should fight. So he held <laughs> you off till you were eight. And right. so was that... Before or after you saw the guy get his nose busted and you told your dad you wanted to uh, make somebody's nose bleed? Yeah, it was after. Once I saw uh, the guy nose bleed, I was like, man, I want, I want to make somebody nose bleed. So he kept me in the gym. He put me in the ring a few times. Of course, he thought I wasn't going to return after I got hit, but that didn't stop me. He kept me in there because he saw that I liked it, and I stuck with it. And I got to make somebody lose weight. <laughs> that must have felt great. And, you know, yeah, we also talked about your safety. You know, do you feel like being trained by your dad, he keeps you safer from injuries than if you were he was just another coach? Yes, because, um, of course, the father doesn't want their child to get hurt. So he wouldn't put me in a situation where I would get hurt or anything like that. So I feel – I actually feel safe with my dad being in my corner and helping me through my career and being a part of my team. Yeah, I, you're blessed. So it, yeah. and in that documentary, they showed you and your dad watching some sparring together, and you were just, yeah. you were little. How old were you? Do you know which part uh, I'm talking believe, about? Yeah, I believe I was about four or five. Yeah, you were little, but you were intense. Like, you were into it. So, yeah, so what, are the best, what are the best memories of you and your dad? Uh, the best memories, I would say, us training in, in my basement, in my house, every night when you would come home. Well, when we would come home from the gym, I would train in my basement because I was too young, you know, to do stuff at the actual gym. So when we leave there, we would come home, train in my basement, hit the pads and stuff. That was that, I think that's the best memories I got with my dad. And that's nice. And, and, you know, your mom's a, she's a big supporter on the sidelines. And she said yeah. that she had no, no idea that you could pack a punch. Is she around no, when you're training? Did. Yes. Um, well, now, now, no, she's not. She, she just, uh, always supports me at my fight. You know, come to the gym and watch me train. But she's always at my fight. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, it was, a, it was a great documentary, so if you guys have, like, 30 minutes, you could just – you can watch it. It's really great. Hey, so thinking yeah, back to – you said you're amateur. One last thing. You said you had 23 fights. Um, yeah. Did you ever fight internationally for USA Boxing? Uh, no, I didn't, but they before I had turned pro, they wanted me to, uh, you know, go out to the Colorado um, Olympic training. But uh, mm-hmm. I never really got the ch- I never really got the chance to do that because well we was going to ch- go for the Olympics but we changed our mind so I never really had the chance to go out. 
Who was in your, um, if you remember, who was in your weight class at that time? Like, who was your competition? Uh, I can't. I, do you I remember can't that? Name. Yeah. Do you remember names? I'm just curious. No, I don't. I can't even remember. Hey, but now you're on a whole different path. So who do you, who are you looking at right yeah. now? I mean, your division is full of talent. For the future, yeah. I'm looking at Katie Taylor. I would let her fight Katie Taylor. I think that would be a really good fight. Uh, so you're looking at the big thing. Yeah. And I'll, hey, it was good <laughs> well, talking with you. It was really good talking with you. And I'll let uh, Felipe talk more about the big picture. Okay. Hi, Mia. How you doing? I'm doing good. Well, this is not the first time that you actually uh, you're. This is the first time you're on the show with us, our live show. But we actually spoke to you back in 2019, uh, late yeah. November, before your fight. And you know, it's a very interesting story because if there's any fans out there of a great series called The Wire, Mia Ellis yeah. trains at the gym that was the inspiration for the gym of the character Cuddy, right? Yeah. And yeah. one of the trainers, one of the co-trainers of your gym is the inspiration for the actual character, Cuddy, right? Right. Now, did you grow up in, 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 in that neighborhood? Is that, is that neighborhood that you grew up in as rough as what is portrayed on that series? Believe it or not, yes, it is. And today it is worse. It's worse, it than, worse. Than, than it is theirs? Yes. And you still you still yes. live in in that neighborhood? Yes, I do. And how do you how do you cope with it? Like, is it the boxing gym that keeps you and and all the other guys and girls that are in that gym? Is it like a safe haven for you guys there? Your family? What is it? How do you guys escape that kind of environment? Well, basically, all we do is just you know stay out the way. Uh, it's like a thing you just gotta mind your business you know you can't get your name involved in certain stuff once your name is involved in stuff there's no way out but you know we stay in the gym the gym is really a big part of why we're not a part of the violence and go to the gym go home that's basically all we do is to stay out the way And those people around you and the gym. I'm sorry, you breaking up? What'd you say? I think he's breaking up. Yeah. Libra, are you there? I just sent him a message. Okay. Yeah, we're all ca- calling from different areas of California. Hello, hey, Felipe? so Mia, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have two. I have two older sisters. That's all I have. It's all girls. Oh, it's all girls. That's nice. And yeah. you and your parents. Yeah. Yeah, you're blessed. You have a nice family. It's nice to have mom and dad. You know. Thank you. So, besides Katie Taylor, who else are you looking at? Because there's got to be other people that you're eyeballing. 
for now, for the immediate yeah, um, I'm, I I would like to fight uh, Michaela Mez one day. I think that would be a good fight because I want to say we have a similar style, but we both. I think we both would. There would be a brawl. Yeah, you're both long. Yeah, it would. It would be an active fight. I say. Yeah, and you both are really long. Yeah. yeah. She's a little older, so she's got that. Muscle, yep. different body. Yeah. We shall see. There's a few hey. other people online. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, Mia, is Mia still with us? Yes. yes. Oh, great. Sorry about that, Mia. It's little technical difficulties when we're doing our live show. Um, My question was, how has COVID affected the gym? Did you guys have to close the gym for a little bit in 2020? Were you guys only working with professionals behind closed doors? What What was going on with the gym as far as the pandemic? So what we had to do was our gym had shut down because it was, uh, you know, it's a city building, so we had to shut it down. And what we did was go to another gym in Frederick, Maryland. We went there. It was, it was like a 40-minute drive every day. We went there every day just to train because our gym was closed. And we had another gym that we would go to in Laurel, Maryland. We went there sometimes to train so that we could get back in our gym. But now we're back in our gym. Only a few people could go in there at a time and train. So we just had the pros training for now while the amateurs are somewhere else training. You still there, Felipe? Breaking up again. Yeah. We lost yeah. Mia, I have a question. Um, okay. You have uh, Tang Davis, Ryan Garcia, Teofimo Lopez, and Devin Haney. Uh, what do you think happens when they when they all eventually fight each other? Who emerges sorry. on top? Sorry about that. Sorry, you know, I'm sorry. If if it goes out again. You guys can say goodbye to me. I don't want to keep her up. It's it's late and she needs to go to sleep. Um, okay, so so you get us now. Rick, fairly quickly, um, you said you you didn't fight in 2020. Were there any close calls? Were there any times that it looked like you were gonna have a fight and then you know because of COVID or whatever other reason it didn't happen or was it completely shut down for you in the last 12 months? Actually, yes, in March, I thought I was about to have a fight. I, it got to the week of the fight, and then they canceled the show. And then uh, the Javante Davis versus Leo Santa Cruz, we thought that we were going, some of our fighters were going to get put on the undercard. But instead of tank fighters getting on the undercard, they put Leo Santa Cruz's team on the undercard. So none of us got the chance to get on there. But we thought we were going to get on that on that show, but we didn't. Now, you mentioned earlier, and David touched on the subject, that you're very tall for the division, super featherweight, 130 pounds. You're about 5'9", 5'10". Did your dad train yes. you? Did your dad train you to use that advantage, to use the advantage of your height and your reach to be able to beat, which the majority are going to be shorter fighters? Did he teach you that, or did he, or did he just have you fight like any other fighter and not disregard that? Because he probably didn't know at 8 or 9 years old that you're going to get this tall. Right, but um, no, he's just training just like for any any other fighter, um, because you never know it could be another girl out there just like me, and I gotta fight. Everybody not gonna be short, but um, I do. He he, they sometimes here and there they teach me 
to use my advantage because, of course, most fighters will be shorter than me. So, yeah, we work on, we work on both short opponents and tall opponents. What is it about Katie Taylor that excites you so much to face her sometime in the future? Is it because you think that you have the right the right stuff to be able to beat her? Do you think that it would be an honor to face somebody like her who has accomplished so much? What is it about Katie Taylor that you are so excited about maybe facing her in the future? Yeah, for one, I think it would be, it, it'd definitely be an honor to fight Katie Taylor um, because I look up to her also. Just because I want to fight her doesn't mean that I don't look up to her. I definitely look up to Katie Taylor. And because I feel like I got the right team around me, you know, to train me for her, you know, train me to beat her. I think I just think I can do it. And my last question for you, Mia, so you could go to sleep. Um, Christy Martin is a is a legend in female boxing in the United yeah. States, if not in the world. She is part of the International Boxing Hall of Fame. She was in the first class, and now you're going to be featured on her fight card. What does it mean to you as a 20-year-old female professional fighter to be fighting on a card uh, promoted by the legendary Christy Martin? I mean, there's been – she was the first female fighter – to ever be put on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I mean, we don't have to explain who Christy Martin is on this show. What does it mean to you to be on that card? It is definitely on the fight on Christy Martin's card. Um, I'm excited to meet her on the 30th. Uh, I was supposed to meet her at the Javante Davis versus Leo Santa Cruz Club, but it was so much going on. I I wasn't able to uh, catch up with her, but it's definitely on the fight on Christy Martin's card. I can't wait for that day to come. Went out again. <laughs> <laughs> so answer David's question before you go. Okay. And and why do you who do you pick to win? Who do you pick uh, to have problems? You talking about uh, the with Ryan Garcia and Teofimo? Yes. Um, of course, I, I think Javante Davis will come out on top. He just have a unbelievable power that I feel like no one probably can take. You might can go a few rounds with him, but I don't think nobody can go a whole 12 rounds with his power. So, I'm sorry, I'm back. So, so you were talking about who? We're talking about the lightweight, the lightweight, oh. possible lightweight tournament between Ryan Garcia, Teofimo Lopez, Javante Davis, and uh, who am I missing? Uh, Devin Haney. Devin Haney. Yeah. I think I think T.O. Fimo probably would give him the best fight out of all of them. Well, why do I you like think that? I just feel like he, he has that he has that dug in him where he he he'll, he'll fight you and he'll give it his all until he can't no more. I just feel like he just a different a different breed, and he mm-hmm. might have the chin that last a little longer because Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia, well, as you can see, Ryan Garcia, his chin was tested his last fight. Devin Haney's chin hasn't been tested yet, but I feel like Teal Famer, he'll last the longest. He'll give the best fight out of all of them. I like your analysis. It's very good. (laughs) Thank you. You can tell you've been around boxing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Felipe, are you still there? <laughs> I guess we lost it again. <laughs> Mia, it was really great getting to talk to you. Thank you so much thank for coming you, thank on. You. No yeah, thank you very much, Mia. And tell all your no your problem. team good luck, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you, thank you. And hey, and make sure you get good pictures and stuff from your weigh-in and for your fight. Okay, cool. I got you. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay. All right. Have a good night. I'm back. <laughs> thank you, Mia. Have a good night. All right, have a good night. Oh, she's still yeah, on. There, That's you great. there you go. <laughs> so there's Mia Ellis. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I, I did something. <laughs> I did something to my. I did something to my system here. Hopefully, hopefully that fixes it, and we don't have that issue anymore for the rest of the show. Well, uh, so we're back, Mia Ellis. Great speaking to her. Very eloquent, uh, confident. I mean, she's going for the big dogs. I mean, in her way. Very knowledgeable. Her dad trained her right. I really would like, I mean, obviously she needs experience. She needs to work up with it. But, I mean, a top, I would love to see her against, like, a, a Michaela Mayer before going after a Katie Taylor. But, you know, she That's has to develop. Bad. Yeah. She has to develop. And, unfortunately, the whole year because of COVID. But she's young. She's only 20 years old. So, and she's from a good, there's a good camp there. She seems very focused. And, um and uh, we wish her the best on January the 30th. Um, going back to that promote that show for the March 5th in Flint, Michigan on Fight TV pay per view around $30. Uh, Clarissa Shields, Mary Carey, to find the belts. One thing that you know they mentioned as far as in the promotion by being the first pay per view event being headlined by. Uh, a female fight card in the, since 2001. So it's been about nine, about 20 years uh, that wow. it hasn't happened. And another thing is that they're selling the fact that uh, that they're offering the super title, which the WBA, as we know, the WBA, a lot of the divisions have three champions, sometimes even four world champions, as they call them. They have a super champion, the regular champion, they have the interim champion, and then in some weight divisions, they actually have a gold champion. So, but according to the, according to, uh, and according to some of the the to the press that has come out, um, they're saying that this is going to be the first time that the WBA has actually offered a super fi- a super title in a female to a female fighter, and it turns out that it's not true because. Jessica Tutti Bob, the Argentinian, the legendary Argentinian, is actually now uh, it's listed as the light flyweight WBA super champion with Mexico's Guadalupe Bautista as the regular champion and Jessica Neri Plata as the interim champion. So wait a minute, be- WBA? Yes. Because oh, you said light light flyweight. Light flyweight, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. like W like at 108 pounds, the super champion is uh, Tutti Bob, who, according to my research, as of right now, January 21st of 2021, she's the only super champion in the WBA. On March 5th, when Shields faces DeCarry, we're gonna have the second one. But as a right, unless they name another one from here to there, you know, but Wait, in, so in, a, in another division. When was Jessica named super champion? 
That I don't know. Uh, I was told oh, by okay. somebody. I was told by somebody that Tutti Pop was named the super champion yesterday, and then I did some research and I found that it to be true. So I don't know when okay, so I, I found out yesterday. So is the super champion where she has a belt somewhere else? <laughs> I, I I don't understand the the regular champion. That's the champion. According to the rules, according to the rules of of the WBA, which are posted on their website, and anybody can see them, and you could go to the WBA website. All I gotta do is Google World Boxing Association, or you could go Google World Boxing Council if you want to see their rules. They have them posted on their website, and according to the to the rules of the WBA, a cha- a regular champion gets elevated to a super champion. Once they've defended the regular title five times or more, okay? And Tutti mm. Bob, she falls under that category, but up to this point, she had not been elevated to a super champion. But how Clarissa Shields and Mary DeVerry fighting for a vacant super title if they haven't defended they, they haven't defended it five times? They, they haven't been the WPA super welterweight champion yet. You know, if the right thing that should have been done is that Anna Gabriels, who is the regular champion, she should have been elevated to super champion, and Clarissa Shields and Mary DeCary yeah, should have fought for the regular for the regular title. Or if they want to be real fair about it, if they want to be real fair about it, and they want to follow uh, the precedents that they've hold that they've held in the past, is that they should have elevated Anna Gabriels to the super title. They should have made Raquel Miller the regular champion because she's the interim champion right now. And Clarissa Shields and Mary DeCary should have fought for the interim title for the WBA at Super Welterweight. But that's not going to look good in the promos for the for the fight card. I know that I know that in the beginning of the show I said that we should support this fight card as female yes, fight fans the, the most that we can, but we cannot tell the truth. Here on the two-minute round, yeah. we tell the truth. And we're going to support the fight card, but we're also going to call out the fact that it, it doesn't sit well that they're fighting for a super, a vacant super title when there's a regular champion uh, already there. I mean, yeah, am I wrong, David? Am I wrong, Lupi? No. They could have made that fight, but I think the only thing – Hannah should have – okay, the right – probably the most right thing would be was to give Hannah the opportunity. But if they're not, I think with um, Marie Eve DeCare coming with her own belt, I guess I could see why they can get away with it. But, yeah, but I mean, I think Anna Gabriels is getting the raw end of the stick here because yeah, she, she has defended that title. Champion. Yeah, she, she has defended that title. She has the regular, you know. So she has, so she has been. She's she's defended that that title. Um, I don't know if she's defended it five times to get elevated, um, and I'll check that. Yeah. But uh, but she has defended it, you know, that 154-pound WBA world title. Um, but, I mean, that would have been the right thing to do to to have people stand in line. Let's see. Uh, yeah. uh, it looks like she has. It looks like she has. Vacant uh, WBO, WBO. Okay, here's the vacant. So she won it in 2016. She defended against Natasha Spence one time, two times. Three times, four times. So she's one off. I think they could have done an exception wow. and and elevated her to a super champion, and then have Shields yeah. to carry fight for the regular title or fight yeah. for the interim and race Raquel Miller. I don't know. If Raquel Miller deserves to be with the opposite that she's had. She deserves to be the regular champion. So Shields and the carry do 
deserve mm-hmm. to be the regular champion. So I think that would have been fair, but it is that what it is. So, so that mm-hmm. fight is scheduled for March 5th. Like we mentioned, we are going to support it. We're going to tell the truth, but we're going to support it. And we're going to try to have um, some of the participants on the card on the show here March day. Maybe Miss Mark Taffet. Maybe we've had the carry here before. She was great. We had Shields here before. Have we had Raquel Miller? I'm not sure we have Raquel Miller. Maybe we can have Raquel yeah, Miller. Exactly. We had Danielle Perkins on her face to face. We could have her. I don't know if we could get Nadia McNuzzi. She is trained by Floyd Miller Sr. So that should be an interesting conversation as well. So we're going to do our, our due diligence and try to go out for some of these fighters on our shows in February uh, before. Moving on, the zone also announced the program, and it's a very aggressive one when it comes to female boxing. We have on February 20, February 13th, we have Shannon Courtney against the always dangerous TBA. She's going to be featured on that fight card on February 13th, which is only a couple, maybe three weeks away. Then on February 20th, we have Amy Timlin, who has a record of 4-0 with one draw, facing Carly Skelly with a record of 3-0 with one draw for the Commonwealth Super Bantamweight title. Commonwealth is like a regional English title. Then on March 20th, we have Chantel Cameron of 13-0 with seven knockouts against veteran who had been retired and came back. Yeah. Melissa Shark Hernandez, 23 wins, seven losses, three draws, seven knockouts for the WBC, 140-pound title. And... You know, Melissa Hernandez, she's no she's no walkover. I mean, she's faced some of the best fighters out there. She's beaten some of the best fighters out there. She has been in the mm-hmm. game for a long time. Cameron, mm-hmm. she's looked very good in her last fights, but she only has 13 fights. And the last time that somebody stepped up to Melissa Hernandez and thought that she was old and done for, got the beating of her life and her... And, her, and, her, and, her, and, her, and I know... I don't mean... I don't mean any disrespect, but it was Selena Barrios who who thought and her team who thought that Melissa Hernandez was going to be a great name on the resume, and it didn't turn out that way, David. What do you think about this Chantel Cameron against Melissa Hernandez fight? Oh, well, yeah, she'll be tested because uh, Melissa is no joke. She's fought everybody. She's fought all styles. She can hang. She has one of the best chins in the business. Uh, she's very cagey. I mean, you can't... Uh, there, there's a way to beat her, but it, it would be to it would be a boring fight if if that was the way. But if Chantel tries to bring it to Melissa, then we're going to see a great fight. Lupe, do you think that Melissa Hernandez? I mean, you've seen Chantel Cameron fight. She's being highly touted by the British press and and the British fight mm-hmm. fans and looking her promoter Eddie Hearn. Do you think that Melissa Hernandez has what it takes to pull another upset special against Chantel Cameron? Yeah, I think she has what it takes. I think anything can happen. And this is Chantel's This is a test for Chantel because even Melissa, she may be 40, but she's, she's still got it. And like she says, she's not doing it for the belt. She's doing it for the coin. And sometimes uh, money is a better motivator. Hmm. Yeah, because if she wins this fight, she becomes a world champion, and 
that means, I mean, I'm sure maybe that even that maybe uh, Eddie Hearn, being as smart as he is, he signed some options with Melissa Hernandez, and if she if she ends up winning, I mean, there's a a rematch that can be done where she can she's gonna get paid as as a champion. There's at 140 pounds where she's going to get paid as the champion. So that is a great motivator, Lupe, that, you know, she might not want the belt and she might want the money, but if she gets that belt, the money comes with it because there's going to be other fighters like Mary McGee and maybe Katie Taylor, maybe Jessica McCaskill, who vacated the title once she won the welterweight titles against Cecilia Breakhouse, that at one point or another might want that title back and those bigger Mm -hmm. money fights for Melissa Hernandez. So that's a great motivator. Ramla Ali, the featherweight against uh, TBA. I'm excited to see her. She was supposed to fight, I think, recently, but she came uh, positive for COVID. On April 10th, Mm -hmm. we have, and I think a little, little, I mean, obviously, I mentioned that on February 13th, Shannon Courtney goes against uh, TBA, and it looks like uh, Eddie Hearn thinks that it's going to be a walkover fight because he has her scheduled again on April 10th against Rachel Ball, who is 7-1 with no knockouts, for the WBA 118-pound title. So that's probably that the February 13th fight is probably a keep-busy one for Shannon Courtney, and then she's going to jump right back in on April 10th um, to challenge Rachel Ball for the WBA 118-pound title. And on that same day, on the same card, Savannah Marshall, 9-0 with seven knockouts, the WBA 160-pound uh, champion is also slated to defend her uh, WBA title against an opponent to name. You put out an article, I think, earlier this week on Monday where you mentioned the Clarissa Shields against Mary DeCary pay-per-view, but you also mentioned some news about Southern California's own East LA, more precise, because I know she's very proud of being from there, Denicia Super Estrada, and what is happening to her next fight. Why don't you fill us in, David? Uh, yes, so uh, she was slated to to fight on February 13th, but there were a lot of uh, uh, problems, including a positive test for uh, Annabel Ortiz. So then th- there was uh, several attempts to fight uh, uh, Japanese uh, world champion Etsuko Tara, but unbeknownst to her, her manager had signed her to fight uh, defender title in Vietnam. And wow. she, though she wanted to fight in the U.S., she wasn't able to do that. So then the next uh, opera went to uh, Tenkai's uh, Tsunami Tenkai, who's another world champion. But she, because of the COVID problem that's worldwide, and and uh, it's also spiking in Japan now, uh, it was decided not to take the fight. So what uh, Golden Boy uh, Promotions decided to do is to just wait until March and fight the original opponent, Anabel Ortiz, for her WBA uh, minimum weight uh, world title. So that's what it looks like. It's going to be in March. Uh, it'll be, uh, I think it's um, late March. It'll, it's supposedly going to be in the same card as Virgil Ortiz in his fight in Texas. And uh, hmm. that's the fight we'll be seeing. Wow. So the fight against Suko Taza, I believe, what, what what weight class was it going to be that? And the one against Tenkei Tsunami, She's were those going to be at 105? They're, they're going to no, be that was 108. One was at 105 and one was at 108. Tsunami's at 108. 
I wanted to talk a little bit about um, just so those people that might not know who Anabel Ortiz is. She's a very renowned Mexican fighter. She's been fighting for quite a while. She's held that WBA title for a long time. She's actually uh, 34 years old. She's from Mexico City, originally from Tepic, Nayarit, which is on the west coast of Mexico near Guadalajara. But she moved to Mexico City a long time ago to pursue her uh, boxing dream. She has 31 wins, 31 wins. I mean, that's not something that you see every day where a female fighter has 31 wins, 31 fights. I mean, you see that in Mexico, but she's been fighting for a long time. Let me. She has 31 wins, three losses, and she only has four knockouts. Um, she's been fighting since 2007. So that means she's been fighting for 14. It's going to be her, her uh, 14th year as a professional and she's held the title since, uh, let me see here, world boxing, world boxing, world boxing. Uh, she's held the title since. She has two versions. She's held the title since 2013 when she beat the aforementioned Exudo Tara with, via split decision. Okay. And she has defended it against High Sue Park. She's defended it against. Uh, uh, J.C. Torres, she's defended it against Tsukotada again via split decision. She defended it against Nana Yoshikawa. She defended it against Sandra Robles from here from Tijuana, Katia Gutierrez, Jolene Blackshear from San Diego, uh, Deborah Renfigo from Venezuela, Nancy Franco, Deborah Renfigo again from Venezuela, Maria Milano. And her last fight was in March of 2020, so she hasn't seen the action. It's going to be about a year of inactivity for um for uh Avispa. But before that she she held the WBC silver uh minimum world title um back in two thousand twelve and then she went up and and uh, her one loss her last loss actually came in a challenge to Jessica Bob, the super light flyweight champion for the WBA. She lost to her. Another loss was to none other than the ne- ne- legendary Naoko Fuyoka and then her first loss was to Yvette La Roca Zamora. Okay? So the only times in her fifth fight as a professional, and they were fighting for the – she was actually the Mexican female light flyweight champion, and she lost the title to Yvette La Roca Zamora uh, via points in their fifth, fifth fight. So her three losses have, have come to world-class fighters. Yvette La Roca Zamora, Naoko Fuyoka, and Jessica Yolanda Bob. And then you I, you guys heard all the fighters that she has faced, which are world-class fighters. Taza, who's the champion right now, uh, Korean Haisu Park, um, uh, Nana Yoshikawa, who I think was the champ. Wasn't she the one that uh, Lulu hadn't beat? Nana Yoshikawa? Uh, I don't know. No, she's, I don't the one, so. she's the one that Montserrat Alarcón beat for the WBO female Ooh. flyweight title. So she so she beat another world champion there in Nana Yoshikawa. She she beat a a, a world title challenger in Sandra Robles. She beat a former champion in Katia Gutierrez. She beat a former champion in Jolene Blackshear, uh, Nancy Franco, Deborah Rengifo. Uh So this is a tough fighter, and so she's gonna be fighting, yeah, and she's gonna be fighting in her in her weight class, and it's gonna be in a weight class that that. Sinisa uh, Strada has never fought at before, or if she has, it has been early in her career, David. Am I wrong? Has she fought at 105 before, anywhere near there? Because I know that Estrada has uh, fought yeah. heavier. Yeah, she does. She actually walks away uh, around at 105. 
It's just that the other fighters are always heavier than she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a real good thing that that big because Estrada hasn't seen a lot of action either. Is that um, that Annabelle Ortiz? If this fight happens in March, it would be a whole year where she has last seen action. So. But it's a great fight, and it's a great fight for female boxing, and I think it's going to be a great mm-hmm. fight uh, for either one of them and whoever wins. And if it becomes a barn burner like it could be, um, it's going to be a great fight for female boxing. So let's look forward to that, and hopefully that gets finalized. David, do you have a date on maybe when they will be announcing it as official? Uh, no, because I think they're trying to find the proper venue. It looks like it's going to be in Dallas. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, it might be a three-minute round fight. Ooh. So that's that's the added bonus that they're looking wow. to fight three minute rounds. That's going to be an incredible wow. fight. See, I'm excited, really. Wow, that makes excited. me nervous for Annabelle Ortiz because not that I'm rooting for her, I'm just stating the facts. Is that without? Yeah. Well, I mean, not so much because I know for a fact. Yeah. I mean, I never met a female fighter, or I've never spoken to a female fighter that says that they only train two minute rounds at the gym. I'm sure that Annabelle Ortiz trains three minute rounds at the gym, yeah. and despite her not seeing any action since March of last year, I'm sure that training-wise, she has many rounds in the gym, so I, I don't see why that would be a yeah. problem. Yeah, Sinise only had seven seconds of fight. Her last <laughs> fight, the only fight. <laughs> she had a whole seven seconds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in her last her fight, favorite. actually, in her, uh, moving on in her social media, Amanda Serrano has stated that W. Angelina Miranovic of Canada. Miranovic also holds the WBA strap. She ha- uh, Serrano has not offered up any details, but continues to post that her team, including trainer manager Jordan Maldonado and promoter Lou DiBella, are hard at work. And just today, right before our show, uh, she posted this this statement: "Huge fight." Info soon, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. This is on her Twitter account. Yeah. Still working on yeah. the details with my promoter, Lou DiBella, but I promise it's an A-class fight for my 126-pound titles. I'm not answering yeah. questions yet, people. Uh, get ready, I'm coming, and then that's it. Uh, she mentioned some other people, but I, I don't know who they are, so I'm not going to mention them. Um, David, you know, I know you follow her. I know Lupe follow her. She had been mentioning Joanna Moralovich, Joanna Moralovich, Joanna Moralovich. From what I see, mm-hmm. if I go on, off this Twitter, it doesn't sound like it's going to be Jelena Moralovich because I would imagine that she would have alluded to the fact that this is the fight that we all have been waiting for and the one that she has been talking about since a couple of weeks ago when they both fought on the same – well, about a month ago when they first fought they off in the middle of December when they fought on the same night in different venues. Jelena Moranovich in Los Angeles at the World Card Boxing Gym a parking lot and Amanda Serrano in the Dominican <laughs> Republic. So she doesn't allude to it. She doesn't hint that that's what it is. But for 126-pound titles, who else could it be at 126-pound titles if it's not Jelena Moranovich? Well, I don't know. Maybe Jennifer Hahn? Well, I, I mean, we haven't even heard of, 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 of what's going on she, with Jennifer Hahn now. Yeah, I don't think she would have went out like that for Jennifer Hunt. Now, at, at Featherweight, mm. the champions, the WBA champion is Jelena Moranovic. The WBC champion is Jelena Moranovic with Amanda Serrano as the interim champion. And then 
uh, Amanda Serrano is the WOBO champion, and the IBF champion is Sarah Mahfoud of Denmark. Now, she doesn't state mm. in her. Now we're trying to play detective oh. because she doesn't. She doesn't state that it's for <laughs> another world title. She's stating that it's for her world titles. So it could be somebody that's not a world champion, but it's a oh. highly known, highly renowned, known fighter. It's going to challenge for her world titles. Huh. Could it be? You know, she doesn't say in the in the tweet. And I'm gonna let's play detective oh. here. Let's 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 listen to it again. Huge all capitals fight info soon. Still working on the details with my promoter Ludibella, but I promise it's an A class in capital letters fight for my 126 pound titles. I'm not answering questions yet, people. Okay, so it does. It, it, she's not going after titles. It sounds like she's defending her titles. So who's a 126 pounder, pounder, or maybe a 130 pounder that's coming down, or maybe a 122 pounder that's going up that's gonna be challenging her for the titles? Interesting. So we'll see. I, That's crazy. I have no. I defer to Loopy. Oh God, got, I'm trying to. <laughs> well, I'll probably have to get back to you after the show. <laughs> let's see. Let's see if it gets. Let's see if it gets. Uh, see if, it gets um, if it gets down to just later for February fourth. Now our last order of business here on Fight Chatter before we move to the upcoming calendar is a little bit of a. Of a legislation that was passed yesterday by our new president, Joe Biden, where there's an executive order which is called the Executive Order on Preventing and Combating Discrimination on the Basis of Orientation. I read the order. Basically, it says that you cannot be uh, uh, discriminated against for the gender that you choose to identify as or your sexual orientation. Obviously, your sexual orientation is, you know, whether you're a gay or a lesbian or homosexual, whatever you want to call it. And your gender identity is how you identify it. You could, you could be a male who identifies as a female, a female who identifies as a male, uh, whatever the case may be. Now, we've seen it in the past where there has been uh, transsexuals people that have actually changed genders uh, physically and legally um, compete in sports, you know, born as a male and not competing as a female because they have had the, the they've gone through the, through the change legally and physically. Um, and now they're competing as the opposite sex what, from what they were born with, you know, that is, whether you agree with it or not, that's really not the basis of this show. You know, we're not a political show. We're not, here to say if it's right or wrong. I'm sure Lupi has thoughts on it. David has his thoughts on it. I have my thoughts on it. It's not important for female boxing or for this show for us to to uh, share what our thoughts are on on it, on what this is. But it is our obligation. Does it affect female boxing? Is there going to be a way where somebody that has transitioned can fight as a female boxer? You know, that was born as a male, that has gone through the operations, that has gone through the hormone treatments, that has done everything, and now can fight as a female boxing. Does it affect it? I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Luffy, what do you think? I think if we look at science, I mean, the DNA doesn't change. You still have that, you know, men are built differently. And, um, you know, and men usually, not always, but usually have the edge in most sports, you know. But when it comes to combat sports, I mean, it's a totally different animal. I mean, it's reckless. 
due to the assumed physical advantages. You know, I mean, there was a, um, an MMA fighter, I think this was early 2000s, or she, uh, Fallon Fox, and she broke an opponent two times. She broke opponent's skull um, to win a ma- two matches. And she was called the bravest athlete in history by an LBGTQ organization. And, you know, we don't want to discriminate. We don't want to personally, we don't want to be discriminated against. So we don't, you know, most people don't want to because most people are good. But, I mean, this is, it's a, um, it's a health issue. And, it's, you know, somebody's going to get, somebody's going to get killed, you know, in the combat sports. That's where, I mean, it's life or death situation. I mean, but there's other stories. I mean, you know, there's a few stories, you know, high school students. There was um, one 16-year-old, uh, Selena Soul, and she had, um, she had to sit out on uh, – she was doing track when she was a little girl, and in high school she had to sit it out at a major track tournament because two transgender runners landed the number one and number two spots. And, you know, she filed a complaint to the Department of Education, and, you know, so she's fighting back. You know, and today, since it was, there was a lot of chatter on, um, I was, I try to stay away from it, but, you know, when I go on to do my post uh, for Boxing Speedy, I, I, first thing was a coach, and it was this, you know, what had just happened, and, um, you know, I'm just going to quote what this male USA Boxing coach um, stated, and he said, wow, I truly feel sorry for any female athlete who probably trained their whole life who loses a spot on a team or loses a scholarship and a chance to go to college to a male who took it from them. Uh, I mean, is this what we meant by equality? I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not, I, it's hard to understand it. And obviously it's all illegal mumbo jumbo and, and it's going to go to courts and stuff like that. If that were the case, but I think as the, as probably the most educated person on this panel, a graduate of the great UCLA, Mr. David Avila. David, you know, this is an executive order on a federal, on a federal, this is an executive order on a federal level, you know, and boxing commissions are state-run organizations, you know, funded by the states. Do the states have a right against an order like this when it's federal? I don't know. Do you? Well, I know if they, if they accept a federal funding, they got to acknowledge it. So mm-hmm. in that case, they would have to, uh, mm-hmm. unless they're a, I mean, how many universities do not accept federal funding? Very few. But as far as like so the they California would all have to. But what about the California State Athletic Commission? I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure if they accept federal funding. I mean, I think that those are, they, they are funded by the tax dollars of the California state. So to a certain extent, if one does not follow the executive order, do they have the right to not do it. I mean, obviously not to discriminate, but to keep things safe, you know, by the example. And I've heard of that example of the MMA fighter that Lupe brought up, and that's very dangerous. I mean, this is a person that, like David said, like Lupe says, I mean, the DNA doesn't change. This person in their DNA, in their, in their makeup, in their, in their body, they have the, they have the propensity to, to gain muscle at a better rate perhaps than a, than a natural female fighter. And I know that they take certain drugs, you know, to be more female-like because of their treatment as, as uh, transsexuals. Um, but I don't know if it reduces that much the fact that they could be that strong. And by the, by the evidence that Lupe brought up, 
you know, some people have gotten really hurt, and that's something that could only hurt female boxing in the long run if if people are getting really. I mean, I know that we're looking for knockouts and we want three minute rounds for knockouts, but the last thing that we want is anybody to get hurt inside a boxing ring, you know. So, like you mentioned, David, that's a good point. That's something that I didn't know is that is the California, for example, the California State Athletic Commission does not accept gen, uh, uh, federal funding, then they have the right not to go with the executive order as far as, as what you're telling me. Yes, that's the way it's it's uh, issued. But, mm-hmm. the, you know, it's a complicated issue. I mean, just yeah. right when yeah. Lucy explained, you know, the predicament, that, you know, it brings to light certain factors. And like you just said, you know, there's a danger. There is a danger. I, yeah. I really don't know. I'm not a, 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 an expert. A scientist. I'm not a scientist. Yeah, and, and the other and, the other example. Go ahead, Lupita. Uh, yes, yeah, so I can just say um, it is a complicated issue, and just and just so I can point say to you, Felipe, you've used the word. We got it. it, it this is where it's going to be. People, people are brutal, you know. And like you mentioned, the word transsexual, and that's not the correct word. And I know this because I live in I live in the Bay Area. I mean. It's all around me. So you kind of hear the words. You've got to know what's the right to say. It's actually transgender. And yeah. it's okay well, that I, you don't know that. But you know I what? Didn't know, yeah, some I didn't people, know. Yeah, but some people get so wrapped up that we should know that they would tear us apart and say, oh, look. And that's not fair. See, people are trying to make us, we're willing to accept people, but don't expect us to have all the right words and answers yeah. without people like canceling us or saying, oh, the two men, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not fair. And that's where we're headed. People have to chill and be, you know, it's a new world. Let us catch up. Without- I, I, I mean, I do want to apologize. I mean, I, I know I mentioned that here on the show before 102 episodes, I'm a bleeding heart liberal, you know, and I, uh, uh, and I do try to respect and I, and I, I'm tiptoeing through this, uh, through this subject, because like I mentioned, mm-hmm. it doesn't really have to do with what our thoughts are and what our beliefs are. It has to do with female boxing, and that's what we discuss here. I thought transsexual yeah, was the yeah. I thought transsexual was the actual correct term for somebody that has actually gone through the whole process and the operation. No, I think that's change. the one who. Yeah, that's the one who just I think hasn't and just oh, looks present. like it. Have the, the, right. Equipment. See, that's all stuff that we, you know, and no one knows I don't know. anything, oh. so. Yeah. Well, I want to do some research now because I don't want to offend anybody. But, uh, well, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what happened yesterday uh, from uh, Mr. Joe Biden, uh, our new president-elect. Actually, he's not. He's the president now. He's president-elect from from the time that he wins the election to January 20th. That's what you call him, president-elect. I do know that. I did learn so- something in social studies. And then once he comes. <laughs> President, once he gets inaugurated like he did yesterday, he's president. So that's what he did, Mr. <laughs> Joe Biden, uh, President Joe Biden, yesterday, along with a bunch of other executive orders. But this is the one that affects female boxing or may affect female boxing in the long run. And uh, we need to be aware of it and see what happens. Not that it's right or wrong. Yeah. Not that it's right or wrong. Not, but how it affects. And, and just before we close on the subject, and one thing that I just remembered is that the gentleman that you quoted that was a USA boxing coach, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if you if they take your spot in track and field or or in running, I mean, it's a shame or whatever. And and, and like David said, it's a complicated issue. It may be fair, it may not be fair, whatever. I'm thinking about safety. I'm thinking about somebody getting yeah. punched in the face and in the head. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a mm-hmm. sport where it's brutal. I mean, this the the whole the whole point of the sport of professional boxing 
is to punish, to hurt your opponent mm-hmm. to the point where they cannot continue. I mean, to the, into the bottom line, the nitty gritty, that's what the sport is about. To punish your opponent to the point where they cannot continue. Okay? And this can really affect that. And that's what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about no place in USA boxing yeah. or 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 yeah. who who's in the team or whatever. I'm worried about somebody no, getting crazy. really hurt. You know? So that's what I wanna know and this is where I wanna see how this develops, if it develops, if it even comes into female boxing. Now And you know what? Go- then we need more Danielle Chambers. Because she is a beautiful headweight. More Martha Salazar's, more Clarissa Shields, girls who can go and really kick them out. Because then we just, you know, you win the right way. That's what there you do. go. Now, we're moving up moving up, uh, now to the upcoming calendar. It's, a little, it's better than last time because last time we didn't have anything. And now we do. So on Saturday, it's, it's yeah. all happening Saturday, January 30th from Argentina. Micaela Milagros Luján will take on Deborah Vanessa Gomez in a 10-rounder for the vacant IBF 115-pound title. This title was actually formerly held by Jorgelina Guanini. And the last time that we saw Jorgelina Guanini, she went up in weight to challenge Rachel Ball for the interim mm-hmm. WBC Bantamweight title. The thing is, is that despite that she's a 115-pounder, she did not make weight for that 122-pound title fight against Rachel Ball, and the fight was only the title was only available for Rachel Ball. Not only did it cost her the opportunity to win the title at 122 pounds for the WBC, but it also cost her her IBF 115-pound title. Um, so, in her last fight, in Luhan's last fight, who's going to be fighting for the title, she actually fought to a draw against Guanini back in the summer of 2019. Um, so she is getting the opportunity. She's eight and one with one draw with three knockouts. And this is where I kind of take some uh, um, exception to her opponent, Deborah Vanessa Gomez. Is a six. She has six wins, four losses, one draw with no knockout. So for the IBF to to uh, approve this fight as a world title fight really leaves a lot uh, to be desired for. Obviously, this is a uh, a favor to the promoter being that they've had the world champion before, perhaps in Guanini. Perhaps they are also tied into Micaela Milagros Luján, and they want to keep the title with their promotional company in Argentina because there's no way in hell that Deborah Vanessa Gomez is the best candidate to face um, for a world title at 6-4-1. Now, the only thing, the other, only other thing that I can think of is that Argentina maybe is locked down and they don't want any uh, foreigners to come into the country. And that's why they want to allow somebody else that deserves the opportunity more to fight for the vacant title to go in and face uh, Micaela Milagros Luján for the vacant 115-pound title. But uh, but it is going to happen on January 30th. Also, a little bit north of Argentina, but not as north as the United States, in Costa Rica, we have mentioned this fight before. Jocasta Valle will be taking Sana Hazuki of Japan in a 10-rounder. We originally thought there was going to be for uh, Valle's 105 IBF world title. But according to BoxRec, and I'm only telling you what BoxRec says, it might still be for a 105-pound title because Hazuki is the highest-ranked uh, challenger, according to the IBF. But the BoxRec, BoxRec is not showing that the fight is for a world title. So it might be a typo on BoxRec. Maybe the editor that update, uploaded that fight onto the system just didn't put it as an IBF champ, a title fight. Or... Something has happened, and it's not going to be an official world title fight. 
even though it's still scheduled as a 10-rounder between the world champion Valle and the Japanese number one contender, uh, Sana Hazuki. And lastly, on the same day, South Carolina, we had her on the show today. We thank her. Miss Mia Killerby Ellis will be taking Miasia Oglesby in a four-rounder at 135 pounds. So with that said, our next show is scheduled for February 4th. Yes, ma'am. Hey, Philippe, I just saw that uh, Courtney decided she'll pass on February 13th, go straight to April 10th. There you and go. So Ra- yeah, this is Ring IQ Boxing. Rama Ali okay. versus Vanessa Caballero on BoxRec. Oh. You guys were tagged. Oh, no, we were tagged on it. That's why we were tagged on it. Okay, they're just Thank telling you. us. Let's see. Yeah, Ring IQ. And LRS on Twitter. Let's see uh, Vanessa Caballero. Let's see her. See what she's bringing to the table here. Um, Whoa. Okay, Ms. Vanessa Caballero from Spain. She's 36 years old. Um, She's she has four wins, nine losses, three draws. And uh, she's facing Vanessa. uh, I'm sorry, Ramla Ali. who is one and know who's also uh she's uh 35 i believe she's 31 and um miss uh, vanessa caballero is coming off a win over vanessa caruso who was 0 and 5 she lost uh her last two before that and then she beat an 0 2 and 2 with carla mendoza so i mean she's a good opponent for a uh for a for a one and oh rama ali who is coming off covid and you know it's it's a good opponent. Mm-hmm. She has ten fights, more than ten fights against the one and zero. Obviously, Ramla Lee is known for uh, amateur pedigree, but we can't complain. I mean, it is a fight. Usually, that's what that's how you get uh, you develop a fighter. So we'll see what uh, Miss Vanessa Caballero brings to the table against Ramla Lee. I'm excited to see that fight. I really like Ramla Lee's style in her pro debut, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So our next show is on February fourth. Like we mentioned, we're going to try to have some of the participants and we're going to try to really help promote as far as we can. And let me state this, before anybody jumps to conclusions, we are no way affiliated. We are no way being compensated. We are no way uh, being asked or spoken to by anybody of the organizers of the, promo, of the Salido Promotions Fight Card Superwoman, that is called. Uh, between Clarissa Shield and Marie, very, nobody's going to pay us. Nobody has contacted us. We're doing it because we feel that we need to support <laughs> the card because it is female boxing. And this is going to be, I think there's going to be a, a before and an after a female boxing on this fight date. If it does well, we're going to see, I think female boxing is going to get to a next level. If it doesn't do well, we're going to have to ask ourselves why. And, Female boxing is going to be critiqued even more than it is now as far as the economic standpoint of it. Yeah. Um, so so I think that we need to do our part since we've done 102 yeah. shows trying to promote female boxing, mm-hmm. that we need to do our part as well with that fight card. David, any closing comments or any news or anything that you might want to uh, mention? Uh, no, but I just want to wish everybody, uh, you know, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, Talk to you in two weeks. Perfect. Thank you, guys. February 4th, we'll announce who is Hey, maybe it's Clarissa Shields. Maybe it's somebody else from that fight card. Maybe we'll have other announcements and other fights. Maybe by then we'll know who Amanda Serrano will be facing. We'll be able to talk about that. So with that said, we bid you fair uh, goodbye and good night. 
Bye. Good night.